Well, I want to welcome all of you that watch online every week so faithfully, and all of you here at the 11:30 service at the North Richmond Hills campus of our church. It's already been an incredible weekend, and I know that you're going to be encouraged as we continue in this service of what God has in store for us. As uh, Taylor mentioned, Easter is just two weeks away. I love Easter weekend. I'm already pumped about the message God has given me to share. And I want you to be thinking about who you can bring. If you're new to our church, you probably have heard an expression, who's your one? That's our way of reminding ourselves that God has uniquely positioned every one of us in a place to help someone get closer to Jesus. In fact, there is someone in your life that God wants to use because you are the best channel to help them be washed in His grace. So we ask the question, who is your one? And in this series that I'm concluding today, even that one, I'm suggesting that that one might be around us and we haven't noticed them yet. We haven't noticed that Matthew in our life because they're just living so far out of line with God's purposes. It didn't dawn on us that even that one might be open to an invitation to God's will. Uh, Or that person that just seemed to be so sold out to the devil like that man uh, called Legion. Even that one can become a worshiper of Jesus. We saw last time that person that has a different religion that has a different tongue, that worships a different God. Even that one is being wooed by the Spirit. But I want to suggest today that that one in your life that you haven't noticed yet might be someone that isn't wicked, doesn't have some different religion. In fact, they're a very good person. And that's the problem. That's why you haven't seen them yet. Now, I've been a pastor a long time. Over 35 years, I have never had anyone come to me and say, Pastor Rick, I need help. I just don't know how to sin. Ever. No one has ever said, you know, when someone cuts me off on the road, before I know it, I just start blessing them. If someone gossips about me or curses me to my face, I just start praying for them before I can think about it. I don't know how to sin. I have never met anyone who claimed to be perfect. Now, granted, I have never met Donald Trump. Okay, now it's funny. Come on. Everybody chill out. Do not send me an email. I do not know any perfect people. But I know a lot of good people. And no one is harder to bring to Jesus than that someone who is better than almost anyone. You see, everyone needs Jesus, even that one. Oh, we know Matthew needs Jesus. We know Legion needs Jesus. We know that person that's worshiping the wrong God needs Jesus. But here's what you need to understand. No one is good enough without Jesus. In fact, do you understand that people 
who think they are good are farther from the kingdom of God than people who know they are bad. Because the devil is a deceiver. He traffics in lies. And no lie is more damning. He has sowed no lie that has done more destruction than this one. That being good is good enough. Now, by that line of thinking, almost any religion in the world is fine. Because almost almost every religion will teach you how to build stairs to to reach... That's what religion does. It teaches you how to reach God. Every religion will give you instructions on how to improve your moral behavior and become a better person. And that would be fine if the standard God was wanting you to meet was somebody else. If somebody else was the standard, I could figure out what I have to do to be better than them. And if God graded on the curve, that'd be fine. But many good people are going to stand before the bar of God and be shocked at where God has set the bar. Like the young man that came to Jesus one time, and he was a good man. He was a moral young man. And Jesus rocked his world with one simple statement in Mark 10. No one is good except God alone. And by the way, that's not a new idea. That's in the Old Testament too. In fact, Paul in Romans 3 quotes from the Old Testament. And Paul says, there is no one righteous, not even one. You have never met, you will never meet anyone who is so good that they can stand before holy God. And so understand that if Satan cannot separate you from God with immorality, he will try to divorce you from God by confidence in your morality. Because the devil knows you don't reach God by being good. God reaches you through the good news of Jesus. And the good news is that we can replace good with new. Because no one is good enough without Jesus, but anyone can become new in Jesus. And this was the radical message that Jesus gave the best man he ever met. His name was Nicodemus. He was a leader of the Jews. He was a ruler. He was a Pharisee. He was a moral man. He was a religious man. If you had taken a poll in that day, who's the best man you know? Nicodemus would have got a lot of votes. But here's what Nicodemus knew deep in his soul. I'm not nearly as good as people think I am. They don't know the real me like I do. And so he wanted to talk to Jesus. 
But he knew coming to Jesus in the daytime would be really controversial. So he came to Jesus in the evening, which is why behind his back, Peter called him Nick at night. I don't know if you knew that or not. (laughs) And Jesus said something so revolutionary to this really, really good man. Jesus said, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Nicodemus asked, how can someone be born when they're old? Surely they can't enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. But Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. In other words, Nick, you don't need more religion. You've got enough of that. You need regeneration. You don't need more of the old. What you need is to become new. Let me illustrate this principle by telling you about a movie from the 1990s starring my favorite movie actor, Han Solo. Now, some of you call him Harrison Ford, but we all know his name is Han Solo. So Han is in this movie called Regarding Henry. And in the movie, he is a lawyer and a very, very immoral man. He cheats in his business. He cheats on his wife. He's such a distant father that his daughter is afraid of him. Well, he goes to a store to get some cigarettes, interrupts a robbery in progress, and gets shot. And for a time, oxygen does not reach his brain. Clinically, he's dead, but they revive him. And when he comes to, he does not remember who he is. He literally has to rebuild his life. And when he does, he falls in love with his wife. He becomes an engaged, loving father. He quits his job at the law firm because he doesn't want to be unethical. See, without even knowing it, Hollywood has answered a deeply spiritual question. How do you fix a jerk? Answer, you kill him and you start all over. (laughs) See, Jesus did not come to save good people. He came to save dead people. And we're all dead. Go all the way back to the start of the Bible. God told the first couple, if you disobey me, something deep in you is going to die. Because I am life. I am the source. You disconnect from me and you disconnect from being truly alive. The Bible is clear. Everyone is dead in their sins. And dead people can't fix themselves. Dead people can't climb stairs. Dead people can't do anything to make themselves better. And we were dead. Everyone is dead. But anyone can become new in Jesus. That's why the phrase born again Christian is redundant. There's no other kind of Christian. You're not a Christian unless you have been made New in Jesus. Because the gospel is not good advice. The gospel is not how to be more religious. The gospel is not how to build a better set of stairs than the other religions. It's not advice on how to build stairs. It's good news that Jesus is our 
lift. Now, we all know the most famous verse in the Bible. For God so loved the world, He gave His one and only Son. We hardly ever read the verses right in front of it. We should do that. Because Jesus reminds Nick of a very well-known story in the Old Testament when the children of Israel were complaining against God in the wilderness. And poisonous snakes entered the camp and bit them and some died. So they cried out to God. And God told Moses, now you build a pole with a brass snake on it. And if they will look at that pole, which by the way had nothing to do medically with fixing the snake bite. But God said, if they will just look in faith at that pole, I will heal them. I will give them life. So, Jesus says to Nick, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes may have eternal life in Him. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. What does it mean to believe in Jesus in a way that brings life? It means you look to Him, lift it up, and you trust Him for salvation. The good news is not God teaching you how to be better at being good. The good news is that God is inviting you to trust in Jesus and in His work when He was lifted up on the cross. And when you put faith in Jesus, God transfers the goodness of Jesus to you. And so Paul said in Titus 3, when God our Savior revealed His kindness and love, He saved us. Not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ our Savior. Because of His grace, He declared us righteous in His sight. And He gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. You notice you don't get any of the verbs It's not the righteous things you did. God gets all the verbs. God poured. God saved. God washed. God declared us righteous even though we had not done righteous things. And did you notice once again the connection of washing and the Holy Spirit? He made us new through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. Scripture is always putting this washing and the Spirit together. In fact, from the very earliest days of the church, Christians have seen when Jesus said, you must be born of water and the Spirit, a picture of the powerful act of baptism. Where we publicly declare that we are going to look at the lifted up Jesus For our righteousness. And so at the end of the very first sermon ever preached about Jesus in Acts, the people asked Peter, what should we do? And Peter says, you should repent and be baptized. Every one of you. In the name of Jesus Christ. For the forgiveness of your sins. And you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You see, no one is good enough without Jesus. But anyone can be made new 
in Jesus. That means everyone who trusts Jesus should be baptized. Everyone. Now, if you visit our church, you know we have a very high value here on baptism. Jesus was baptized. Jesus told us to baptize, to make disciples. So, last January, I had a great privilege of helping teach a one-week short course for Abilene Christian University. And it was at this awesome camp in the mountains of Colorado, over 9,000 feet elevation. Cold and covered with snow. It was a beautiful place. And on the last day of the class, a revival broke out. And a number of the students wanted to be baptized. And several asked if I would baptize them. Now, the only pool of water is outdoors. And it is cold and snowing. So I go to my room. I put on some gym shorts and a workout shirt. And I put on my sweats over those clothes. I get to the pool. I take off the sweats. And I get into that water. Thankfully, it was heated. And I had the great joy of baptizing several students into Jesus. And then I got out of that water. And let me tell you, it was cold. Those wet clothes stuck to me and I waddled like this to a bathroom to dry off and put my nice warm sweats back on. I hung those frigid wet clothes up on a hook. I walked out and my wife met me and said, Rick, another student wants you to baptize them. (laughs) And I looked back at those freezing clothes and I have to tell you the thought crossed my mind. So how much do I believe in immersion? And I went and I put those cold clothes on and they stuck to me and it was cold and I was delighted to see another young person look to Jesus and publicly declare, He's my righteousness. I don't want anyone here to leave thinking that I said... That water washes away sin. It does not. Only the blood of Jesus can wash away sin. But did you know the New Testament doesn't even consider the idea of an unbaptized Christian? The question is never even raised that somebody would follow Jesus, look to Him, and not be baptized. Baptism is your plunge in faith into this awesome promise and power of God. In baptism, you are expressing your trust. You're telling the world, I'm looking to Jesus. And you are going public by actually identifying, reenacting the death and the resurrection of Jesus as your confidence and your righteousness. And so Paul could say in Romans 6, when we were baptized, we were buried with Christ and shared His death. So just as Christ was raised from the dead by the wonderful power of the Father, we also can live a new life. Do you hear how he describes baptism as a tomb and a womb? It's a tomb the old me went into. It's a womb the new me came out of. The old me was erased. A new me is embraced. And this is good news for everyone. This is a good promise for anyone. 
And this is a good time for someone listening to me right now. So the Apostle Paul was giving his testimony in the courtroom about how he was going to Damascus to persecute Christians, but he met Jesus. And Jesus said, you go into town and I'll send someone to tell you what you need to do. And his name was Ananias. And Paul said, Ananias showed up and this is what he told me. What are you waiting for? Get up and be baptized. Have your sins washed away by calling on the name of the Lord. And so that's what I'm going to do this morning. In the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to ask you a very important question. What are you waiting for? If you believe Jesus is the Son of God, and if you believe His righteousness is the only thing that can make you right with God, why haven't you been baptized? Now, some of you haven't been baptized because, well, when you were an infant, your parents dedicated you to God. Maybe you were sprinkled. And you are afraid that getting baptized might be a rejection of what your parents did. I would say it's not a rejection. You're not nullifying what you did. You're confirming what they did. They wanted you to follow Jesus. You know, in some cultures, uh, when children are small, they are pledged to marry somebody else. But when they get up, they have to make their own decision. They have to decide, am I going to put on the ring and marry that person? That's what baptism is. Baptism is your decision that I am going to choose Jesus for myself. You're actually honoring what your parents have always wanted for you. Some of you haven't gotten baptized because you're afraid of water. I've met people like that. I just want you to know, in over 35 years of baptizing people, I've never lost a single person. (laughs) Now, David Meyer and I, in a little bit, are going to get in that baptistry to baptize a lot of people. And I promise you, not a single person today is going to drown by faith. Some of you are thinking, well, you know what, though? I, I, I wasn't prepared, and the church probably wasn't prepared. Oh, no, we're very prepared. We are so prepared for you to get baptized today. So in a moment when we sing, you're going to come down and you're going to grab one of these towels because we're prepared. And we're going to give you a packet that looks just like this. And inside that packet, we got some cool shorts that you get to wear and you get to keep. We got the proper undergarments. We got the cool shirt that you get to wear to be baptized in. We've even got a plastic sack so you can take all this stuff home with you. Uh, we've even got something for the ladies called a scrunchie. I have no clue what this is, but I'm told you know what to do with it. And also inside that pack, there's a card, the card that talks about grow class that we want everyone that gets baptized to come to, because the goal is not to get baptized. The goal is to follow Jesus and getting baptized is part of the process of doing that. And that's why some of you haven't gotten baptized, because you know that baptism is stepping over the line. Baptism is choosing a team. Some of you want to cohabit with Jesus. You want to live with Him, but you don't want to marry Him. You want the benefits of living together, but when it gets tough, you don't want the commitment that says, I've got to stick it out. You don't need to get baptized. When you get baptized, you don't just ask Jesus to be your Savior. You ask Jesus to be your Lord. And you say, I know I'm going to stumble, I'm going to make some mistakes, but I am going to set my life now on the path of following and obeying Jesus. That's what you do when you get baptized. Now, some of you are thinking, yeah, but 
I wasn't planning to get baptized today. Join the club. Nobody in the New Testament was planning to get baptized. The 3,000 people at Pentecost, they weren't planning to get baptized that day. Paul wasn't planning to get baptized. The Ethiopian eunuch, the Philippian jailer, nobody in the New Testament was planning to get baptized the day they got baptized. So if you get baptized today, you're just being biblical. Listen, the Holy Spirit never said to anybody, you need to accept Jesus tomorrow. Today is the day of salvation. And one last thing. Some of you have never gotten baptized because you have believed the lie that being good is good enough. Listen to me. The very worst form of human badness is human goodness substituted for the blood of Jesus. And so last weekend, I had the privilege of listening as my dear friend and co-worker Chris Hadgett spoke at his father's funeral. And C.D. Hatchett was a very good man. He worked hard. He provided for his family. He paid his bills. He's the kind of guy that would help you get your truck out of the mud or take food over if you were sick. He was a good man. But Chris did not grow up with a father that accepted Jesus. Now, C.D. loved golf. He loved Byron Nelson especially. And so when Byron passed away, Chris actually wrote a tribute to Byron. And C.D. asked if he could read it. So Chris mailed it to him with this letter. Byron was a great golfer. And he was a good man. But that's not why we celebrated at his funeral. We celebrated because Byron gave his life to Jesus. Byron's in heaven now. And those that love him most will see him again. And then Chris wrote, Dad, you're a good man. But if you pass away, we will not be able to celebrate at your funeral. Dad, you need Jesus. And C.D. read that letter and called Chris that very day. And the very next Sunday, here in this room, Chris baptized his father into Jesus Christ. And so we were there last weekend at that funeral where Chris was able to tell a room full of C.D.'s friends. C.D. Hatchett was a good man. But that's not why we celebrate. We celebrate because C.D. Hatchett accepted Jesus. He's in heaven. And we will see Him again. And I am so proud of my brother because he had what we need. He had the courage to look at someone he really loves and say, being good is not good enough. Everyone needs Jesus. Even you. And so in a moment, we're going to stand and we're going to see people get baptized. I hope you're in that number.
And this is so important that I need to pray first. I'd like you all to stand for this prayer. If you're on our baptism team, I'd like you to take your place right now. So God, I'm asking in the powerful name of Jesus that you move in a mighty way in these next few minutes. Right now we speak against every lie that Satan is trying to speak into people's hearts to keep them from doing what you're calling them to do. The lie that being good is good enough. The lie that this isn't the time. Father, we speak in Jesus' name against those lies. And we believe your Holy Spirit can give us all the courage to do what Jesus is calling us to do. Our hope, God, is not in our goodness. It's in nothing less but Jesus and His righteousness. Because He was lifted up. Because He conquered death. Because He died for my sins. We believe, God, we declare that His goodness can be given to us. And we can stand before you unafraid and in full joy knowing that Jesus has declared us righteous. So God, please, right now in this moment, give people courage to look to Jesus and to declare their faith in baptism. And we thank you in advance for this prayer being answered. In Jesus' name, amen. So, in just a moment, you're going to come. So many have already come. And by the way, most of the people baptized this weekend weren't planning to get baptized. But they obeyed the voice of the Holy Spirit. That's what you're going to do too. You're going to come, you're going to get a towel. And we're going to take over from there. And it's going to be awesome. But I've got one more word. I want you to hear me. No one listening to me right now is so good that you don't need to be born again. And no one listening to me right now has been so bad that you can't be. So what are you waiting for? This is your moment. Come right now. Be baptized.